Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. It's been a scary start to the morning for many folks in far northern California after a magnitude 6.4 earthquake hit near Ferndale in Humboldt County. The quake struck just after 2.30 this morning. Damage has been reported to Fernbridge, the main road to Ferndale. State Senator Mike McGuire tweets this morning that Caltrans crews are doing inspections and the roadway will be closed until further notice. Thousands of people are without power across Humboldt County as PG&E crews are assessing for any damage to the power lines. So far, there's no tsunami threat at this time. The Biden administration yesterday announced a big goal of reducing homelessness 25 percent nationwide by 2025. Housing advocates in California are lauding the plan, but they're wondering who's going to pay for it. KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports. The White House plan doesn't reinvent the wheel. Instead, it's focused on how to move people into housing more efficiently. Mari Castaldi is with the policy group Housing California. We know what works to end homelessness, and it's housing with as few preconditions as possible, but alongside robust support services. She says the country hasn't invested enough money to build affordable housing for everyone who's homeless. So it'll be interesting to see whether this plan can also help create the political will to double down on some of the investments that we know need to work. Still, Tamiqua Mas, CEO of the policy organization All Home, says there's a lot to like in the White House plan, particularly its emphasis on racial equity and the perspectives of people who've experienced homelessness. We're not going to be able to solve homelessness if we're not paying attention to the structural racism that undergirds this problem, as well as listening directly to the people who are experiencing it. But Ma says the devil is in the implementation. And to see results, the federal government needs to put real money behind the plan. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Baldessari. In Sacramento, the city and county have agreed to take a new approach on helping the unhoused community, bringing shelter and health care services directly to homeless encampments. CAP Radio's Chris Nichols reports. Christine Price lives in a homeless camp in North Sacramento. 
with her loyal companion, Bibi. She's Chihuahua and um, she's a Chihuini and Deerhead Chihuahua. Price says Bibi is more than just a friend. Sweetie pie. Yep, she's savage yeah. though, don't get her twisted. She runs off all the pit bulls around here. She's, she's my girl, she, she's kept me from being attacked. Before the pandemic, Price was getting help for her PTSD, which she developed after she was beaten on the streets. I got attacked with my wife on the other side of the light rail by 15 teenage boys about six years ago. She was in a treatment program, but it stopped as COVID-19 spread. For Price, whose camp sits near a rail line, the trauma of the attack remains. Ever since then, I just, I can't be around groups of people. Today, Sacramento's newest homelessness plan is trying to make amends, not just for programs that shut down during the pandemic, but for a fractured approach that allowed unhoused residents for decades to fall through the cracks. It calls for newly formed outreach teams, including mental health professionals, to visit the city's largest homeless camps. The teams are the result of a fledgling partnership between the city and county. Their goal is to reconnect people like Price with treatment, shelter, and housing. One of their first stops was the camp where Price lives. Well, I think it's a good thing if they follow through with it. But the county's been out, coming out here the last two weeks. I've been talking to them. Price says she's open to treatment and that housing is her ultimate goal. In the past, Sacramento governments have relied on homeless residents to seek out help on their own, to navigate a complicated web of resources as they also try to survive the harsh conditions of the street. We had hoped that folks would come to us when they needed us, right? Siobhan Katari is Sacramento County's social services executive and says this approach has often led to failure. We have learned a lot from that strategy, just falling flat. Advocates for the region's unhoused community say the fact that the city and county are working together on this new effort is a positive step, but they say change won't be easy. They say the wait times for mental health and addiction treatment are long, and the county is short on staffing. Here's Chris Martin with the nonprofit Housing California. The challenge is what resources are we bringing to bear to provide to folks, and then what kind of housing are we then going to provide for them? Backers of Sacramento's Measure O, a recently approved law that could make it easier for the city to clear homeless camps, also support the region's new direct services approach. But given the massive scale of the problem, they say no one should expect the camps to disappear anytime soon. Here's Amanda Blackwood, who heads the Sacramento Metro Chamber of Commerce. It may take two years to practically get through all of these large-scale encampments and be able to actually triage those folks into services. You know, that that may be true. And so we're just going to need to set our expectation on that. Sacramento County recently agreed to fund up to 600 new shelter beds over the next three years through its new partnership with the city. But that deal by itself does not add any new affordable housing, something advocates say is critical to solving the homeless crisis. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. While it's technically a holiday break for most students, tens of thousands of L.A. Unified students are back in the classroom today for the second day of the district's so-called acceleration days. The extra instructional time is an attempt to help students catch up on learning loss due to the pandemic. Here's LAUSD Chief of School Operations, Andreas Chait. We have students that can improve their letter grade by working with their teachers over these two days to complete the work that their teachers assigned them. Test scores released by California's Education Department this fall show nearly 75 percent of LAUSD students didn't meet state standards in math. Meanwhile, nearly 60 percent fell short in English. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, December 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.